Good morning again. If you have a Bible and want to follow along with us, we're continuing our Proverbs series. So you can open up to Proverbs. We'll be in chapter 13 today to start off with. And uh, we'll be on page 537 in the black Bibles that are under the chairs. If you would like to grab one of those and follow along with me uh, reading in one of those Bibles. That's uh, Proverbs 13.20 we'll start with. In this series through Proverbs, we've been talking about the concept of growing up. And uh, I haven't mentioned it a lot in this way, but just kind of a different lens to look at it from is since we live in America and since one of the most common religions here in America is the youth cult, and by that I mean um, just our fascination, obsession, and love with youth and vitality, because of that, it makes it hard for us to really see value in growing up. We, we don't really want to grow up. We, we see it as something kind of old and, and fuddy-duddy, right? But the biblical concept of growing up is that there's dignity and strength and blessing and, and great riches there. And, and so part of what we're, we're going to have to struggle with if, if we want to be biblically wise is we have to kind of put aside the false religion of the youth cult in our culture. We have to set that aside and we have to sit in a posture of listening before God and say, God, what, what do you want for my life and what's your vision for my life? And and where we started was with Psalm 1, which is the gatekeeper to all the wisdom books, specifically to the Psalms, but all the wisdom books, Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of, Psalm, Saul, Song of Solomon and uh, Job. And, and all these wisdom books, we all have kind of similar concepts. And the gatekeeper of the Psalms and the gatekeeper of all these wisdom books, Psalm 1, gives us this picture of the tree. And it says that when we listen to God's word, we're like a strong tree that plants its roots down into the water and then we will have strength and dignity, and fruit, and shade, and, and all these things to contribute and to give to others. And that's the vision. That's where we want to go. We want to grow up. We want to have a life of, of significance. And so we want to listen to what God has to say to us. Now, what we've been doing just these few weeks is then taking biblical wisdom and applying it to our mission statement. So our mission statement in three parts is that we want to trust in God's grace, that we want to submit to the Bible and community, and that we want to be the church in ministry. We want to be Jesus' hands and feet in the community and to each other. And so today we're zeroing in on this concept of submitting to the Bible in community. And uh, it's a difficult question, I believe, uh, for us, because a lot of times when we look at the Old Testament, we read it through kind of a shallow lens, and we think in the Old Testament they were just supposed to gather in a holy huddle and just forget everybody else, right? We, we, we think of it that way sometimes. And so what we want to see is, do, do we have this concept of missional community, of, of kind of an outreach-oriented holy community that we, we know in the New Testament? Do we see that in the Old Testament? I think we'll find that we see that here in the Old Testament as well when we look at Proverbs. So I'll start with Proverbs 13.20, and if you'll read with me, we'll start there. It says in Proverbs 13.20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So in the Psalms and the Proverbs and all these wisdom books, we're given continually a choice between two communities. We're, we're given a choice between two communities. Will we be a part of God's community or will we be a part of the community of, of death and rebellion and sin that we already kind of know, the, the community we've already grown up in? Will we reject that and turn and and seek to be a part of God's community? That's the question put before us by the wisdom literature, by Proverbs here, uh, that's advised for us in, in Proverbs 13.20. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, 
but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Let me pray and ask God to teach us, and we'll, we'll look at this some more. God, we pray uh, and ask for your help this morning. We ask that your spirit would meet with us, that we'd understand your word, um, that the things I say would be clarifying and not confusing, um, and that, that we, would, we would listen to you. God, help us to grow up. Help us to have something to contribute. Help us to be who you want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you think about the two, the two communities, the two paths that wisdom lays out before us, I kind of wanted to give you a snapshot of my teen years. So imagine me, 14, so like one inch smaller and uh, basically, you know, real awkward, right, gangly, 14-year-old trying to decide what, what path I would take in life. And, and set before me here, I had these two paths. I want to just give you a snapshot of the kind of friends I had. Um, here, here's one picture. I've got this good friend, good family, still good friends today. Um, just uh, godly family, and uh, they loved me well. And here's a scene. I'm with him in school, and uh, the teacher's doing something, and I'm drawing cartoons in my paper, and then, you know, it's the end of the class, I'm like, what does she say? What, what's our assignment? What are we supposed to do? And he's like, man, why don't, why don't you just listen? Why don't you just pay attention? Why don't you take notes? And then you wouldn't have to ask me all the time. So that's one friend, right, who come from a good fam- he came from a good family, and his parents took good care of him, and they were always nice to me. Here, here's the other community of friends I had. Uh, we're wandering around the neighborhood at midnight, um, and we're putting firecrackers in mailboxes and in tailpipes of cars, right? And I have to admit, I wasn't, I wasn't fully in with that. You know, I was kind of like I had a foot in both worlds. You know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, won't that blow up the car? You know, I was a little nervous about it. I didn't, I didn't really like the idea of doing that. Mailboxes, that was fun. It was loud. But the cars, that worried me. And so that, that's a vision, that's a picture of kind of where I was. I was being pulled in those two directions. Here's back to this first friend. We're, we're eating somewhere, right? We're out eating somewhere in public, and I, I probably have food all over me. And he's like, man, you're such a slob. Why don't you learn some manners? Why, why don't you get yourself together? And then I'm back with these other friends again, a picture of these other friends, where uh, we're actually in the neighborhood in daylight this time, and they're setting off firecrackers again. And this time we're in, in my backyard, and part of my backyard catches on fire, and we have to put it out. And thankfully, my mom never saw it. Is she in here? I don't think she's in here. I don't... She never realized there's this big black spot in our backyard, right, where it caught on fire, and then we're in the front yard, and we're going down the street, and we're throwing these things called jumping jacks that spin around. You know what I'm talking about? The firecrackers that go, and they they bounce everywhere, and it bounces over the fence into my neighbor's yard and starts catching their yard on fire. I had one of those adrenaline moments. I literally threw my friend over the fence. Um, It was my smallest friend, but I mean, just threw him over the fence, and he put out the fire, and it was okay, but... But that's just a picture for you. I was being pulled in those two directions, right? This one friend wanted me to get my stuff together, be smart, grow up, listen to the teacher, not, not eat like such a slob. And then my other friends wanted to set fire to the neighborhood, right? And, and I, I just want to let you know that it may not be that stark for you, but there are always two communities vying for your membership, okay? There are always two communities calling to you and saying, why don't you be a part of this community? And there's this other community saying, no, be a part of this community. In, in Romans 5, it makes it real clear that we can kind of be a part of two families, right? We could be a part of the family of Adam, who rebelled against God, who ate from the tree and said, I don't want God to be God, I want to be God. And so that's, that's kind of our heritage through Adam. That's all human beings. We all inherit that. We all repeat that sin. We all repeat that rebellion on a daily basis. Or we can repent from that and be in the family of Jesus, the second Adam, who fulfilled all the requirements of the Father perfectly, who loved the Father, who didn't rebel. And not only did he do everything perfectly, but he died for us. He died to save us so freely we can be a part of that family. 
We don't have to clean ourselves up and get perfect to be a part of that family. We can just repent, turn from the sinful family, the sinful community, and just receive adoption and membership in this other family. And so the, the, the world, the Bible, God's Word, there, there's always these different voices calling to us saying, do you want to be part of this community or do you want to be part of that community? Calling out to us. The, the first voice I want you to understand or the first understanding of community is that God's community is, is a Bible community. So when we think about this mission statement, actually I'll go back to this, submit to the Bible and community. I'm going to kind of try to go through and unpack what this means. Submit to the Bible and community. The first thing I want to unpack is that it is a Bible community, okay? When we say Bible, we mean God's Word, and we mean God's Word, Old Testament, New Testament. We believe that it agrees. We believe that the, the God of the Hebrews that revealed himself as the great I Am to Moses who saved a people out of slavery and then called them to obey his law is the same God that saves us now and then calls us to obey because we're his children and showed us that salvation most clearly through Jesus, right? He gave us visions and pictures of his grace, and we talked about that some last week, that grace is something that existed in the Old Testament. It was clearly there. God has always saved his people by grace, but now it is really vivid and and overwhelmingly clear through Jesus and what he's accomplished for us. This book testifies to that same God, and so the community that we want to be a part of is a community of this book. And so when it says in Proverbs 13, is it 13, 19, or 13, 20? Yeah, 1320. I had the wrong thing in my notes here. When it says 1320, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. When we talk about walking with the wise, we mean people that are listening to God's wisdom, right? We have to, we have to connect those dots. We have to understand that biblically God's wisdom, the, the vision of the tree in Psalm 1, the vision of trusting in the Lord with all your heart, the vision of listening to the commandments of your parents and of God's word, all of those visions coincide with, with God's word, his, his Bible. He speaks to us through his word. That, that's the authority that we have. That's, that's where wisdom comes from for us. The history of humanity is, is us messing things up and rebelling. And so we need this alien voice. We need this alien message, direction that we can listen to. Proverbs twelve fifteen is another good one. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Again, this just tells the posture of Christian people, of people that are members of a biblical community, as we have this posture of saying, I know I don't have it all figured out. I need advice. I need to listen to what God has to say to me. I want to be a part of a Bible community. I'm not going to just make it up on my own. I'm going to listen to another voice. We, we have this really weird thing in our culture where we talk about just believe and if you just have faith, it's okay. But you know what? If you have faith in the wrong thing, you're going to be in big trouble. So I would say you need to have faith in the right thing. You need to listen to the right voice. And we understand that God's revealed himself to us through the scriptures, that he, he guides us here, that he, he gives us wisdom through the scriptures. And so we want to have a posture of listening. I have a picture here of a uh, telegraph. Telegraph, if you don't know, was kind of like, I guess you'd say pre-telephone, a, a form of wired communication where before we figured out how to put voices through the wires and through the air, before we could do the voice transmission, we, would, we could transmit clicks, right? And so they had this thing called Morse code, and they had a code with clicks, and they could translate that into the alphabet. So a certain number of clicks, short clicks, long clicks, would translate into letters of the alphabet, and you could decode messages. So then you could send messages across country through the wires, through the telegraph. And so there's a story that I've told a million times when I was a youth pastor, and I'm, I'm not sure if I've told it 
in the last few years as a, as a grown-up pastor. But it's a great story about a telegraph operator. And this guy that was uh, interviewing for a job to be a telegraph operator. So his job would be to listen to the clicks, write down the message, you know, translate it into then words and give it to the right person. And so you have three guys coming to this office to uh, interview for this job as this operator, the telegraph. And the secretary comes out and says, you can wait here and we'll call you in when we're ready to interview you. And so these guys are waiting, and the whole time, you know, you're hearing the buzzing of the, or the clicking of the telegraph and stuff and other noises there in the office. And uh, this one guy, that one of the three that was interviewing, just gets up and goes into the office. The other guys are like, well, well that's weird. Why did he just get up and go in there? You know, the secretary didn't come out and get him. And a few minutes later, the boss comes out with this guy and says, we've hired him. He's the guy that we want for the job. And they're like, well, that's not really fair because your secretary said you were going to call us in. Why didn't you interview us? And he said, well, the whole time we were transmitting the message with the telegraph saying, if you can understand this message, come into my office and the job is yours. And so this, the guy that got the job was the guy that was listening to the message. He, he was listening to it. The message was coming through and he was listening. He was paying attention. And, and so that's the first thing that I want us to think of when we think of community. We want to be a community of people that are learners and listeners paying attention to God's word. Are we actually listening to it? Are we listening to the message. I think what this looks like is that we need to be people that are listening to the message already, and then we bring that into the community, right? A lot of times you, you look for it to be set up for you so that, hey, we've got these perfectly carved out communities, and then church, we're inviting you into these perfect communities that have it all together, and then you can listen to the message. But what I would say is that as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we have an obligation to be listening to the message, to be paying attention to what it says. And then God calls us to form with others in community and do that together. And, and so here's, here's, I guess, where I want to go with that. Sometimes you're, you go try a small group, right? Or you go to a Sunday school class, you, you go into some prayer group, some women's study, some class, marriage class or something. You go in and you think, well, man, nobody's, nobody's really listening to the message there. Or they're not really being real or they're not really sharing their junk, you know, everybody's afraid to say anything, and it's kind of surface level. You, you ever been in a group? I guess you don't, you don't want to raise your hand, but I've been in groups like that, right? We, we've, I think we've all been in groups like that, and, and nobody really will, will go first. And what I would say is, you know what? L- listen to the message, like the telegraph operator, pay attention to what God is telling you, and then bring that into the group. And, and you'll turn the group upside down. You'll start to transform the group. They're like, with this this person's actually listening to God's word and paying attention and trying to grow and trying to respond to it. You'll, you'll shake up the group. A lot of times we're just we're waiting for someone else to lead us, but, but God's word will, will lead us. Pay attention to what it's saying. Like the last few weeks we've been talking about different stuff. We talked a few weeks ago about words. I heard some people respond, you know, God is really calling me to work on the words that I'm using. And we, we talked about the proverb, a gentle answer turns away wrath. God may be calling you to work on that in your life. Well, We'll share that with some other people, right? Don't just say, hey, Pastor Dave, nice sermon. All right, and then you forget it and it's over with. Find someone to talk to about that with. Look up some other verses in the scriptures and begin listening to what God is telling you and then begin responding to that in community. Take that into a community. Find a a brother or a sister in faith and and share that with them and say, hey, will you pray for me? Will you help me with this? We have a lot of folks uh, coming here that, come from a lot of different backgrounds, and they hear what we talk about, about marriage and sexuality, and they start to say, okay, I'm getting that from the scriptures, God has these boundaries, right, for sexuality. God, God wants this covenant marriage, and he's calling us to this beautiful thing, and well, 
we'll begin working on that. Talk to some other people about that. Pray through that with people. I've had the privilege of talking to other people about that and seeing them grow and, and begin to walk with Christ in, in new ways, begin to walk in holiness, begin to listen to what God's word says. I think uh, about several weeks ago, we talked about uh, the beauty of women, right? And that as, as women, sometimes we just focus on external beauty. The scriptures calls us to be modest in the sense of being reasonable in how we dress and work really more on spiritual beauty than physical beauty. So maybe God's calling you to change in that. We'll talk to some other, you probably don't want to grab some guy and talk to him about that, right? But talk to some other women about that and say, I think God is growing me in this area. Or if, if men, if you have some anger issue, talk to somebody else and, and pray together with them. Say, will you pray for me? Will you help me to grow? And you'll, you'll then begin to transform these communities and help them to be biblical community. You will help them to be a community of wise people as you begin to listen to the message that God is sending us. Just like the telegraph operator that listened to the message, he paid attention to what it said. Pay attention to what the scripture is saying to you and respond to it and ask others to help you and pray for God's spirit to help you. That's the first community, right? The community of of the Trinity. Ask for God to to be involved in that. Say, God, help me, grow me. We talked last week about his grace to us, that that he's there and he wants to give us that, that power and that grace to grow. But extend that to other people. Grow in community with your family, with other people that God calls you to. And that, that brings me to this other concept. We use a lot missional community. We use this term missional to help us understand that we want to be about uh, the mission that God has called us to, right? That we have this purpose that actually binds us together in community. Um, something that I've seen a lot over the years in uh, small group oriented churches is when you call people together in small groups just to have uh, the kind of familial feeling, the closeness and small group connections where it's just about that community side, sometimes it implodes. Sometimes it becomes this black hole where it just, it just kind of implodes in on itself. It can't bear up under that weight. We just want to be best friends. We just want to be buddies. And then you go into the group with these expectations of, of being loved, you know, and kind of making up for everything you were missing when you were a kid. But you know what? That, that's going to that's gonna implode on itself. But if you have a mission outside of yourself and outside of just the community, then those things work together intention, right? If you have this mission of God calls me to love him and to love my neighbor, then that helps you to grow in community with these other people. That actually helps the community to be healthier. Uh, Proverbs states it in this beautiful, like very common sense way. Uh, Proverbs says it this way in Proverbs 27.10. Proverbs 27.10. Let me flip over that. That is on page 548. It says, do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. And that's going to explain what that means. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. What he's saying is, don't give up on these secondary friends that you have. It says, don't just always go to your family for everything. Right? Like if your house is catching on fire, don't, don't drive, drive cross country and get your dad or your brother to help you out. Just go knock on your neighbor's door, okay? So, so that's the Proverbs, very pragmatic, practical way of talking about it. There, there's good friends close by, right? Now, Proverbs is very clear that one of the basic building blocks of community he's given us is our family. So we don't want to make the other extreme error that, that, again, Americans often make of rejecting our family. Our family is supposed to be a gift. And I understand some of you just come from horrible, abusive families, and you, you'd had to flee, right, for your own safety. But... But a lot of times, for most of the time, I would say, there's good blessings still in your family. 
God, God's given your family to as a gift as, as a basic building block of community. It's still good to rely on your family, but what Proverbs is saying is you can have other family too. You can have other community. And what I would say is, is Jesus later in the New Testament defines that as the mission actually is what makes us brothers and sisters, right? In Mark 3, Jesus says that it's the people that do his will are his mother and brother. This passage in Mark 3 where, you know, there's this crowd gathering. He's teaching some disciples, and they say, hey, your mother and brother are outside. And he said, these are my mother and brother, these ones who do my will. This is my community. We're on mission together. And so the mission, the purpose that God's given us as his new community to love God and to love others binds us together as families. We, we come from different backgrounds, right? We didn't grow up the same way. We didn't grow up in the same part of the country. But as believers, we can have something in common with each other. Having a, a mission can give us community together. And so it's good to always keep those things wed together. I have a picture of people uh, moving here, moving boxes. Probably you don't look that happy when you're moving, right? Um, but it was just the first picture I could find when I was online. Um, but... You know, this is a great example. When you help somebody move, um, that, that bonds you together, right? And there's two sides of it. There, there's an old Jerry Seinfeld episode where he was really bothered. Jerry Seinfeld was really bothered that some friend asked him to move too early in their relationship, right? Like they weren't there yet. They hadn't, they hadn't gotten that far in their relationship. And he's like, this is too deep, right? This is too intimate that someone would ask me to help them move. I don't really know them that well. But, but there's both sides of it, right? We expect to have some community before we start doing mission together, right? Before we start doing some difficult task together. So that was kind of Seinfeld's point. But I would say the opposite is true too. When you do a difficult task together, as many of you in the military could testify, when you embark on something hard together, community results from that, right? You form a bond, you form a brotherhood, you form a sense of family as you go on mission together. So, so what is our mission, right? The, so the Mark 3 definition of family is those who, Jesus says, um, whoever does the will of God, right? Other places, Jesus defines kind of the summary of the whole Bible as love God and love other people, right? So that would be a good mission. Uh, what's another place we go to a lot would be the end of uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and this is restated in a couple of the other places as well, but Matthew 28, we call it a lot of times the Great Commission, where he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, And so I would just define for you, I'd kind of give you a grid that you could say love God and love people could also be defined as be a disciple, be a follower of Jesus, and make other disciples, invite others to be disciples of Jesus. So that mission unites us in community. That gives us community together. So all of our communities should kind of have that rowing in the same direction kind of feel to them. That's, That's the goal. Do we always perfectly do that? Well, no, probably not. Like I said, if you've been a part of these communities where people aren't really sharing or people aren't really going deep or people don't really seem to care as much about outsiders like they should. Um, but it's our job to make the communities better, to encourage each other, to come together as a community and say, hey, this, this is what we're supposed to be doing, right? Should, shouldn't we be about this and, and grow towards that goal together, have the same mission um, we have all these small groups that we list in our brochure, right? We're always talking to you guys about this. I think we have about 20% of the church involved. So we're always trying to encourage more people to get more involved. I think we may be up to 25%, maybe a quarter of the church is involved in, in small groups. And we define that by being a part of a class or being part of a home group or a prayer group or some, some group where you meet together besides just public worship, right? And we think that's really valuable because part of Christianity is just being real and being transparent with each other. And so two ways that Proverbs states this mission, 
and how we want to be on this mission together would be Proverbs 28, 13. It's one I've quoted a million times this summer, which says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So I would say every group has to be united in mission by being a, a group where you're real together. Again, so, so bring that into your group. Bring that into your group if you don't feel like that's happening. Begin to be real. Don't hide and fake it and think, oh, I've got to pretend everything's together because I want to be this Christian, like, I've got it together guy. No, being a Christian is being someone who recognizes your need for Jesus. And so confess that. Bring that to the group. Bring that in. You, you don't have to share everything that's ever gone wrong or that you've ever done wrong in one setting, right? But begin to share with others what's going on in your life and invite them into your life in a, in a walk of transparency. Invite them to help you and to pray with you. And then Proverbs 24.11, begin caring about other people. Proverbs 24.11 says, Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. This is the missional idea uh, in Proverbs. Again, we often think that the Old Testament is just focused on isolating, right? Be holy. And we miss all these places in the Old Testament. You know, when, when God called Abraham, he called Abraham and said, I'm, I'm calling you to be a blessing to all the nations, right? It's not just to bless you, right? Israel wasn't just about being separate. All those places where God calls them to be separate and to be holy is that they would be like him. But they were always to be inviting people into that holiness. They were always to be inviting people into that missional community that was designed to glorify God, to love him and to love other people. And when you read the Old Testament looking for that, you'll see it again and again, that they were always to be a light to the Gentiles. It's a verse that we quote from Isaiah a lot at Christmas time, right? They were always called to reach out to others. God physically placed Israel at the crossroads of, of every major empire that ever existed, right there in the middle of the known world. And so they were always to be reaching out and inviting others into their community. And so that's the attitude we should have as well, that we're loving others and inviting them into our community as we pursue God, as we follow Him. And what I want to stress as well is that community is more important than the program of community that a church would offer. Do you all understand what I mean by that? Um, community itself is more important than the programs of community. So we're always trying to facilitate community for you, so we put before you classes. We put before you a brochure that lists home groups. We try to organize that. We try to press that forward so that people can grow in community in this organized way, but it's more important that you would actually have community than that you would join an official listed group of community. Does that make sense? So I recognize when I say we've got 25% participation in community at our church and our official small groups, I recognize that some of you are involved in Christian community in other places, okay, and I don't want to I don't want to downplay that. It doesn't have to be on our books for it to count before God, right? Um, it, it's between you and God, and he's calling you to grow in community. And just this last week, I've been reminiscing about how God's used so many people to help me to grow in community. And I just want to give you a picture of what this looks like. So we, we have an elder board at the church, and they are official listed community for me, right? We, we work together for this church. We try to love the church and lead the church and pray together for the church and encourage each other. And that's kind of a a visible listed group, right? It's in the bulletin, this, this board that leads the church together. And these men have been a great friends and, and encouragers to me. But there's also been other people throughout the church's history that, that have done that for me. I mean, as I look out, just I'm, there's multiple of you that have done that, that have poured into my life, that have loved me well. I was thinking um, just this week, over the last six years, we started about six years ago. We just had our birthday last week. And I was thinking about um, like John Sablowski up here. John's sitting kind of midway here. You see some guy pull me over and he's holding my hands and our heads are bowed. Well, he's praying with me, right? 
It's not just hand-holding, okay? We're, we're, we're praying, and John's been doing that from the beginning, right? From the very first day we started the church, he'd be like, hey, hey brother, let's pray. And he'd grab me and pull me over the side and pray with me, right? So me and John are not in some kind of listed small group in the bulletin. It's not the official Dave and John prayer group. This is John grabbing hold of me and praying with me. Do, do you understand what I'm saying here? You, you can do that with other people. It can be unofficial. You can be a disciple following Jesus and inviting other people into community, inviting other people to more faithfully walk with Jesus, and John's done that for me. He's helped me to grow in my faith by just grabbing me and saying, let's pray, right? Eric Brown is a man at the church that loves to read, and he's got this, he loves theology, and he'll read these blogs and read these articles, and he'll give me books, and we'll talk about preaching and worship and these deep things, and he'll feed me stuff spiritually that the Puritans are saying that I probably wouldn't have a lot of time to read on my own if he wasn't kind of filtering and passing that stuff to me. So it's just another person that just is pouring into my life. But again, it's not official. It's not our little blog club or our listed Puritan club or whatever. You know, I mean, he's, he's just reading stuff because that's what he does, and, he's, and then he's feeding his friend with it. He's passing that on to me. Uh, and we see that again and again. I mean, people do that for each other. We can, we can do that for other people. Laura Shepherd comes and prays with me during the week. We have, I'm just, I, I, can't go, I can't list everybody, right? There's too many of you to, to talk about. But, but people come alongside each other in community as disciples, and we grow together. And that, that's the goal. That's the goal. And we list these things, and we make them public, and we put them in the bulletin to, to make it easier for you to make that happen. If you haven't taken that step, if you don't have those kind of Christian friends, that kind of community in your life, please take that step. Talk to us about that. Say, okay, Dave, I recognize this is missing. Call us this week uh, during, during office hours. Give us a ring at the church, and we'll try to help you navigate that. We'll try to help you find a community to connect with. But it's so important to our growth. Well, the last thing I want us to, to look at is the idea of submissive community. Submissive community. I wanted to save this one to the end because it's the hardest phrase in our, you know, the hardest word in our phrase. That This phrase is submit to the Bible in community, Okay. And as Americans, again, culturally, we don't like the word submit, right? Uh, Americans kind of have this uh, under-the-surface anarchy that's kind of a part of our culture. We, we don't like authority, right? We're real big into We make it sound nice by saying liberty, but really deeply under, underneath, I think we're rebellious a lot of the times. We don't like to submit to authority. We want to be our own boss. And so purposefully, we placed this word that rubs us the wrong way, that as Americans kind of feels like fingernails on chalk, we place this word in our mission statement to kind of press us to think a little bit. Are, are we submissive? Now, there's different ways that you can think about the word uh, submit. Um, well, let, let me go to the Proverbs first. Let's look at the Proverbs. I'm getting ahead of myself. Flip over to Proverbs 10.8. Proverbs 10.8 is, is a great verse. It kind of captures this, and we've We've looked at so many other verses this summer that I was trying to kind of find a new one that we hadn't hit on. There's the trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, right? Um, there's all these, these other places. That was in Proverbs 3. And these other places, like in Proverbs 1, Proverbs 2, where we're called to have a posture of listening, right? Submitting before God, listening to his word, saying, I don't have it all figured out. I need God to direct me, right? Proverbs 10.8 phrases this pretty well. It says, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. So I've said Hebrew poetry always has parallelism in it generally. So a lot of times what we see in the summer is where it says one thing, 
says it again another way. This is one where it's opposite. says one thing and then explains it by saying the opposite. And if you read it real literally, it would be uh, that the wise of heart takes up commandments, but the babbling fool is thrown down. So that would kind of be the imagery there, that kind of Hebrew imagery in the poetry. It's this contrast, right? That the wise of heart takes up God's word, but the fool is thrown down and undone. And so we want to be the people that, that take up God's word. We want to have this submissive posture to God's word where we, we take it up, right? We're, we're excited about it. We're, we're receiving it. We're, we're listening to it. And so we use this word submit. And then I wanted to explain, I think, culturally where we think in two ways maybe about submission. One is uh, submission a lot of times is used in terms of fighting, right? Like uh, ultimate fighting or mixed martial arts. You've got this thing where someone's got your arm behind your back and you're about to die, so you tap out, right? So that would be like a submission hold, right? Anybody know that word? Anybody ever done combatives here? Okay, a couple. All right, so, so that's, uh, that's kind of how the word is used in the fighting concept, and I think that's how we typically think of it. We think of it in that negative kind of like, I give up, okay? I'm fighting and I can't win, so I guess I have to submit, right? And it's just kind of almost bitter when you think of it that way. But this, I've got a picture here that I think will help you to have a better, more gospel-centered understanding of the word submit, okay? So this is my gospel-centered view of the word submit. I have a puppy. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I have this puppy named Angel, and Angel loves to roll over on her back, and she's just begging to be petted, right? Or pet. Is it petted or pet? I don't know. Anyone? Okay. She just wants me to pet her, okay? She wants some love. And, and I would say that's how we should think of the word submit. When we talk about submitting to the Bible, having a posture of submission to the Bible, it's just like, I just want to receive love from God. I know He's good. I know He's gracious. I want to learn from Him. And we can't do that unless we're convinced that He's good, right? So submitting to the Bible doesn't make sense if you don't understand the gospel, that Jesus died for you that you're a sinner, but that God forgave your sin by Jesus taking that upon himself on the cross and giving you his righteousness. If you understand that, then the law, then the wisdom of the Bible, all of a sudden could be something good. It's not this painful thing to be pressed down on us anymore, right? But we can approach God the way my dog approaches me, just like with love. I just want to, whatever you want, I just, just give me some love, right? Just rub my belly, just, just love on me. And I think that's a better way to think of submission when it comes to God and his word, that we would just kind of roll on our back and say, I just, I just want to receive your word, God. I just want, to, just want to enjoy what you have for me. I want to live differently. Because so often we think about it like, oh, God, want, God asks these hard things of me, and he wants me to change, and it's going to be painful, and it's going to be difficult, but it's so good. When I first came to Christ, I was 17 years old, and I remember telling Jesus, I'm giving myself to you, and I know it's going to ruin my life, but I'm convinced (laughs) that this is the best thing, right? And I just think back on how sweet God was to me in that, right? That he loved me, and that I I saw some short-term thing, right? Like, okay, I'm not going to go drink and party my senior year, right? And so that's going to be so terrible. It was a pretty good year, you know? Walking with Christ was a pretty good thing. I don't really regret any of those choices that I made. It was, it was good, and I'm glad that I submitted to him, and, and I received love as I began to change and began to walk with him. And I just want you to have that vision. Just think of that picture of the dog on his back wanting to be pet when you think of, of the word submission. I just want to close with us thinking about the, this concept of a new community 
Uh, remember the perfect community that Jesus had with the Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven. Philippians talks about this, that Jesus was equal with God. He was one with God. Everything was good. He left it all to enter our community to share his goodness with us. He gave that up. He came and he joined our community. And he invites us into his community. He invites us to join him. And again, none of this makes any sense apart from the gospel. If God is good, if Jesus died for us, then we want to live in this new community. If none of that's true, then we need to do other things. And we need to stop wasting our time with all of this. What I'm, what I'm begging you to consider is that God really is good, that he does love you, that he proved that by giving himself for you. And he asks you to trust him and to walk in new community with him and with others who love him. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you love us and we, we pray that you would teach us. Um, God, I just ask for clarity on this subject. We recognize um, how as human beings we, we often mess these things up. God, help us to just receive with love your word and your guidance for us. Help us to walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd love to answer any questions that you guys may have about anything we've talked about today or or meet you if you're new. Um, God bless you. You may be dismissed. Thank you.